0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Latina Boss Podcast. My name is Kelly, and I'm your host and the founder of the Latina Boss Community. Today, we are having a cafecito with Maricela Juarez. Welcome, Mari. Thank you so much for joining us today. And tell us a bit more about yourself.
1: Sure. So thank you for having me on this wonderful show. I'm excited to be a part of it. Uh, So, like you said, my name is Maricela Juarez, but I go by Mari, um, both in my personal and professional life. Um, It just makes it easier for everyone to remember. And I am a first-generation Mexican-American. My parents are from Mexico, specifically Guanajuato, and they moved here um, in their early 20s, and then they had me. Um, and I grew up in a very small town in Pennsylvania, and then I ended up going to Temple University, uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to study international business with a minor in marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, I sort of just fell into this just because of my background and being able to speak two languages and being, um, immersed into cultures. I was like, let's explore this. Uh, can I make a career out of it? And it turns out I can. Uh, so I was hired um, with the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia for about six years. and that's why I worked with their marketing organization called Select Greater Philadelphia. Basically the point was the point of the organization was to bring international and domestic companies to establish their business in Greater Philadelphia. So I was able to work with a lot of different foreign diplomats. I was able to meet the president of Chile at the time, um, which is incredible. Yeah. And then after COVID started hitting, I was furloughed in April of 2020. And then the company was dissolved in June of 2020. Hmm. And during the furlough... To now, I work with a group called the Furlough Network, um, which is a group of professionals in the US looking to help those who have been furloughed or laid off and navigate that scary new world and to kind of guide them through the process of, okay, I'm furloughed, how do I get unemployment? What steps should I do? Do I need to update my LinkedIn resume? I don't know how to begin job searching after 20 years of working with the same company. So um, it's definitely something rewarding that I love and I'm still continuing to do. I work with a great team and um, I just love helping people, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. That is amazing, Maricela. In fact, uh, I knew about you uh, through you know these kind of pandemic times and it was really inspiring to see your, your journey how to navigate uh, during this time because as you said uh, a lot of people they lost their job and they were just completely lost mm-hmm. they didn't know what to do so I wonder how was your transition
1: that transition was very interesting in the fact that when I was furloughed back in April mm-hmm. the first thing I knew I needed to do was keep myself busy Um, I knew that they were going to let me know of a decision at the end of June. Mm -hmm. So I knew I had a few months to do the things I've always wanted to do, like create a website, have an online portfolio of everything that I've worked on, or at least the highlights of the projects that I've worked on. I knew I needed to gain a new skill um, and something that I maybe didn't have as much experience in the marketing field, so Google AdWords. Um, I knew I needed to do something in the meantime that would make me desirable for other opportunities. Uh, so working on that website, working with the furlough network, going essentially back to school, um, And then networking as much as I could, especially in COVID times where you can't really meet people in person. But I found channels, Slack channels that I could connect with women from all over the world who were able to provide opportunities and advice and mentorship um, Mm -hmm. without actually having to meet them in person, which was great.
0: Yeah, that is the power, I guess. The digital kind of things, right? Slack, Definitely. WhatsApp, Facebook yeah. groups. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, it has been the boom of the digital groups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, so let's um, dive into uh, you know that first generation experience that you have. So, I wonder um, if you can tell me a bit more about how was your childhood and growing up in a, you know, in a country that is not a country for from your parents, for instance. So how was that? And yeah, how how were you feeling uh, during that time?
1: Sure. So um, my parents came here when they were in their 20s, and then they had me. Um, so I was the first product and close to them that was immersed in both languages and both cultures. So in my household, I was fortunate enough to have a father who knew some English. Uh, My mom didn't necessarily know it at the time or speak it. So my brain was constantly going through English and Spanish and switching all the time. So as I grew up and went to school, I was able to get a better grasp of English Um, while still speaking Spanish at home
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: my childhood I ended up being that person who was the translator in our family so I was 10 years old going to meetings with let's say realtors or lawyers or doctor's appointments not only just for myself but for my little brother for my parents Mm -hmm. um, for school Um, when they had teacher parent conferences. I mean, I was the one who was translating what the teacher was saying about me to my parents. So that was fun. Um, That definitely encouraged me to be a good student and say anything bad about me. Um, But I think it's a blessing and a curse to be that main translator in your family, just because I was able to see my parents' struggles on a firsthand account. Mm -hmm. But then at the other end, I was able to mature in a way where I was more compassionate towards people who were struggling. I was able to build a patience Mm -hmm. um, and an understanding of using really big words in English and then figuring out the translation in Spanish. And it helped me feel Good, and I liked helping other people
0: hmm. yeah, that is amazing and I'm really mm-hmm. impressive because, as you said, you have to be, become like adult even earlier that you expect mm-hmm. right because you, you were facing those kinds of challenges. Yeah, and, and then I guess during, you know, your, your studies, you were, or even now, your career, so do, you had faced uh, imposter syndrome uh, at some point in your life. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if you can give us like some examples on how you overcame uh, those kind of challenges.
1: Sure, so I think my imposter syndrome started in high school towards the end. So my last two years before I ended up in college where um, university became a real option for me, Um, I was able to apply for a scholarship that allowed me the opportunity to actually go to college. And then from there, I didn't know how to navigate it. My parents didn't know how to navigate it. So it was sort of like, how do I do this in a panic? And then, I realized that if, at 10 years old, I could translate legal documents to my parents, I can do this. Um, So that was a push for me to sort of apply for colleges, get in, and then I went to Temple University, which was in the city. I was looking for a diverse school. I didn't want to go to a school that was majority white people in the middle of nowhere that's where I grew up that's what I knew so I wanted to be around people who I never was able to be around um so then I got into temple on my birthday and it was a sign that I had to go and throughout college I noticed that a lot of people in my classes majority, um they were white they had connections already who they were always they were already able to get internships they were already able to have a job lined up so i knew that i needed to work twice as hard in order to get that same opportunity so anytime an internship came across my desk um if it was unpaid i said yes i was like okay let's do this like i'll just work another job to support myself um but being able to say yes to that first internship, which happened to be at a Latino newspaper, um, was amazing because I was around people who looked like me, who had the same background, who were in positions of power. So CEO, chief marketing officer, you had news reporters who were meeting with diplomats and Um, a lot of people in power you saw people who were accountants who were Latino who was like they were Dominican and Colombian and Puerto Rican and Mexican and it was something that gave me the confidence because I saw people in roles that I wanted to be in that I knew I could do it somewhere Mm -hmm. else Mm -hmm. so I think being able to see someone in a position of power that looked like you and that like you and who struggle with switching between languages or struggle with English um, because sometimes we forget words in English but we know them in Spanish Mm -hmm. or we forget words in Spanish and we know them in English and it's like a little panic in us that is like, oh my god, what am I doing? Like, Can I do this? But being and seeing someone who, again, just was me Mm -hmm. but older in that position helped me realize that i could do it in a company that maybe had a majority of white people who didn't really understand me but i could carry myself in a way where i was professional and they wanted to seek me out because of the skill set that i had mm-hmm. not the connections that i had
0: yeah yeah totally agree i mean i think that is the power of uh, like the confidence and you know pursue your dreams right follow mm-hmm. your dreams and work hard Along the way, if you want to become, uh, you know, the best version of yourself. So mm-hmm. yeah, cool. So I wonder, you know, because during this time, uh, you have a really, you know, uh, large, long career in terms of uh, marketing and how you have built your marketing skill set, you know, during your degree and then professionally during your experience time as well. So I wonder how you set some boundaries at work uh, and also in your daily life to make sure that you don't end up burning out?
1: So burning out is a very big thing, especially in the U.S. Um, We have a habit of working 70 hours a week, not taking our vacation time, and then quitting our jobs because we just can't do it anymore. So one thing that I knew I needed to establish was If my bosses or if other people were emailing me after the business hours of, let's say, from eight to six o'clock, I would make it a point that if it was not an emergency, um, if it was not something that we're losing thousands to millions of dollars or someone is hurt, I'm not going to answer the email until the next morning. It can wait. And that is something where I established it A year or two into my career where I found that I was working from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., all I did was go wake up, go to work, go home, sleep. Like, it's just not a life. And after those two years where I got my first promotion, it was like, okay, my second promotion, I was like, okay, there's something needs to change. I can't live like this. I need to learn how to have a balance and by not answering emails after a certain time, again unless it was life or death um that helped establish a balance and i also didn't look at my emails after a certain time mm-hmm. and i would only allow myself to look at my emails once after i got home mm-hmm. and that's it mm-hmm. and after that i put my phone down i put the notifications away and i just let it until the next morning because those who ha who need me Um, they had my personal phone, my uh, information. So if they needed me, and it was an emergency situation, they could call me. But if not, it can wait till tomorrow. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, and that's hard. It's hard for us to be like, I don't need to answer this right now. Like I can put this away. I can enjoy time with my family and my friends, because I found out that I was missing a lot. I was missing time with my family that my parents are getting older, everyone is getting older, so you can't really get that back.
0: Mm. Oh my gosh, that is totally, uh, you know, 100% resonates with me, because that sometimes happened until I said, mm-hmm. no. I think you have to take care of yourself first, yep. and then the rest, you know, gonna happen, because if you, you are depressed, anxious, or mm-hmm. too overwhelmed, you will never get that promotion that you were mm-hmm. working for, so, you know, so, yeah makes completely sense. So, yeah, and what about your friends? So, I wonder if you have friends from, you know, yes, Latinos or a mix of different races, so, and how to build up those kind of relationships? Uh,
1: so, I have a healthy, I like to call it a healthy mix of all races. So, I have uh, white friends, I have Latinas, I have Latinos, I have Black, Asian, you name it. I most likely have it. Um, It was the one benefit of going to such a diverse school um, for my university degree, just because of the fact that I was, I had access to so many different people. Um, And then when I started building these relationships with different cultures, a lot of the cultures had the same values as us like we would joke around that our moms would get us up at seven o'clock in the morning to clean and they would have the music blasting and they would make certain dishes for holidays like for christmas we don't have the traditional american christmas we have like pozole and tamales and like all of mexican all of the mexican food Um, for the holidays and like for Thanksgiving over here they have turkey. My family doesn't like turkey so (laughs) they would just make something different and when I was talking to like my Chinese and Vietnamese friends they said that they did the same thing that they didn't like turkey either so they would just make their own cultures food and by finding commonalities like that we were able to build a strong foundation because a lot of these different cultures have the same core values a value of family a value of education mm. um value of self-integrity and being able to be someone but also maintaining a strong tie to your culture and uplifting those who need the help to and speaking up for those who can't like I was roommates with um a Chinese woman who also kind of played a translator in her family and we connected over that too as a young kid so I think that's where I was able to kind of build that core friendship and um, some of my best friends are Latinas and they're, um, they're either half or they're second generation and it's just interesting to see how I'm a first generation and let's say a second generation and they understand Spanish, but they don't speak it, or they have never spoken it, or um, they throw it into their everyday language. And it's um, just so interesting that I'm able to share my culture and they're able to share their culture. And it's just an appreciation for people's Mm -hmm. backgrounds and a respect um, Mm -hmm. that you definitely need to have when making friends overall
0: yeah indeed yeah in fact i think that is the power of the diversity right that yeah. that helps you to to learn from each other educate others and at the end of the day make the difference and you know build up a, like, like a kind of open minded society yes. right to close this uh, lovely session so i wonder uh what could be like your tip or advice to leverage our latino culture wherever
1: we go I think uh, one thing that you should uh, leverage when walking into um, a world that you may not be familiar with is being able to have that confidence that even though you're different, that doesn't mean it's bad. And people are very interested in different and having that ability to be open and to have conversations and to share your culture with other people. I think they really respect that. And I've experienced a lot of those who may have not asked it in the correct way, but I have responded in a respectful and educational way where they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And then from there, we've built a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And taking your values with you, like from, like as a little girl, my parents have always told me, ponte las pilas, like that is just a phrase that has stuck with me. Where like, where you can't do it anymore. You feel like you gotta give up. You just get that extra momentum and just keep going because I mean, you have no other option but to keep going. Like you need to believe in yourself and have the hope where you can keep going and going past these hurdles because, you never know who's behind you and or who's in front of you looking at you. And by breaking each of those glass ceilings, you help generations um, who are going to come after you go through less hurdles um, than you did. And I think that's very powerful.
0: Yeah, indeed. Oh, Thank you very much, Marisela, for this lovely session. Um, we're going to be publishing a blog post so we're gonna uh, share with our followers your details but obviously uh if you would like to to say where they can find you to get some kind of you know mentoring uh and get in touch with you right sure.
1: mm-hmm. okay you can uh visit my website um MaricelaJuarez.com. Mm-hmm. um it's my first name and my last name com and I have my email there uh, you can also submit a form I am more than willing and happy to talk to anyone who wants to know more about what I've done and who I've connected with and what I'm currently doing um, mentors have been such a value in my life and if I can help one person I would love to
0: Oh, Lovely. Thank you very much, Marisela. It has been really great to talk to you. And yeah, so we're going to be in touch online. <laughs> and when I come go to the US, I will be able to meet you in person. So thank you very you, much, Marisela. You have a home here. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely to meet you. Thank you very much. I am looking forward to keeping this conversation going on our social platforms, Instagram and Facebook at the Latina Boss. Seguimos adelante and see you soon.